This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. In the last few days, China has looked to stabilize its currency by devaluing it in part. It produced a sharp decline on Wall Street for about a day and a half, but that has stabilized, at least for now. To take a look at what this means for China's economy as well as the global economy, we're joined here in the studio by Wharton Associate Professor of Management, Minwan Zhao, and then also joining us, Avery Goldstein, who is a University of Pennsylvania professor of global politics and international relations. Minwan, great to see you again. Avery, thanks for joining us. Great to meet you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, First, I guess let's start, Minwan, with really the basis behind the move to to make this change with their currency. Well, I think there are two aspects to it. One is the the pricing mechanism. You know, is it controlled, managed, or uh, market determined exchange rate? And then there is revaluation and the devaluation calculation. So, what's interesting in this recent move is that the the central bank claims this is a move to let the market mm-hmm. determine what, uh, on the price and a lot of the media reported as the intentional devaluation of the currency um you know depending on where you said you can see it both ways but you know the the downward pressure the market pressure on the devaluation has been there for a long time and the central bank was trying very hard to prop it up so you know you can say these are two things happening at the same time how do you uh, see this avery yeah uh, i agree with minyuan and she's obviously more qualified than <laughs> i am to talk about the economics of this um but i think that the some of the uh, reporting uh, in the business press in the United States and the mainstream press on what's happened, I think, has focused on this question of devaluation. And I think that misses what was clearly um, the more important aspect of this, which is to allow the market to play a larger role sure. in determining the currency value. Because going forward, if the government sticks with that policy, uh, we aren't sure exactly where this is all headed. But I'd be surprised if we saw a dramatic devaluation because the government promises to prevent that from happening. And in terms of benefiting exporters through uh, this devaluation, this the first few days of devaluation are nowhere near large enough to have that effect. Right. From what does that do, though, from from a, a financial perspective going forward, uh, of actually really letting the markets determine what the what that value of the currency is? Right. The market can be irrational, right? So sure. as I said, the market pressure for devaluation has been there for a long time. For the past half a year, if you look at the daily trade, it's always going downward. Yeah. And the... Uh, the central banks basically, you know, artificially start the next day with the same rate, and then the market pushes down. So the market rate has been there, but there is a risk of downward spiral. You know, as we know, there's the carry trade going on in yeah. China. The interest rate is way higher than in the U.S. So many companies are borrowing U.S. dollars. Uh, for their loans, and many foreign investors are investing in China for the very short run for the higher interest rate. So with this kind of carry trade going on, one risk is that at the moment they sense the depreciation, all these money will go out. And mm-hmm. as a result, it will create an even larger devaluation than intended by the government. So that was a fear, and I think that's the reason why central bank stepped in 
yesterday at the very end to stabilize the the currency. And uh, you know, everyone in China, everyone at the government level in China, are now speaking positively about the currency now because. There is a fear-induced downward spiral, as we see in many countries. Is this a pattern you you think will continue for a little while? I mean, I've read some articles that say that that they, the government is professing this to be somewhat of of a one-off. That you know they've done it, and, and now they would like to avoid doing it again if they possibly could. Well, they could. So th- this is the the irony of letting the market determine the exchange rate, right? Because the yeah. uh, uh, the biggest player on the market is the central bank. There is still, you know, um, the central bank has been trying very hard to prop up the currency, and you can see that um, in the 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 very quick um, downward. Uh, move in in the uh, foreign exchange uh, reserves because the government has been burning uh, their reserve to prop up the currency, yeah. and uh, so the the market sentiment will det- will be determined by what the government says because ultimately this is the biggest player on the market. Um, I don't think the go- the government was burned by the stock market crash, yeah. and they saw how scary the. The market panic can be, and I think they learned a lesson, and they tried to avoid that in the foreign exchange market. So, so. In, in some respects, this is kind of a philosophical shift by the Chinese government, which it sounds like from reading some of the articles may very well be a welcome one by other players around the globe. Well, if I can step in here just for yeah. a second on uh, some issues where I'm sure Minyuan has some things to say. Um, I, I do think it's welcomed by some of the international financial institutions yeah. that wanted to see this kind of a change in China's currency policy. Uh, most of them, apparently, by their, their comments on the move, suggest this is a step in the right direction, but not far enough. Okay. Uh, but you've got to also recognize that it, it was something, this idea of letting the currency exchange rate be set by market forces was something that the United States has demanded for years and that yeah. Congress has pushed for for years because uh, they believed probably uh, mistakenly in the last few years, that China's currency was undervalued. Uh-huh. Uh, and now the discovery is that, well, maybe it was overvalued. Uh, and yet, despite that, political reality in the United States is this reaction that uh, China is um, manipulating the currency. Basically, the argument they're making is China is causing the devaluation now in order to gain an advantage. And so I think there are going to be very serious political repercussions in the United States, which may be completely detached from the economic fundamentals. So how do you see it? Well, how, what do you expect to see happen here in the United States, obviously, in the next few months? It'll be an issue in the early stages of the 2016 presidential campaign. Yeah. Uh, people will engage in what I guess is usually called China bashing sure. uh, on currency issues, on trade issues. Um, and there will be also kind of knockoff effects in terms of support for the TPP. Uh, sure. If that comes yeah. up for a for a final a ratification, so I think there there are some big issues here. On the other hand, if in fact the currency swings in China remain fairly modest, my guess is over time the markets will adjust and the American electorate will adjust as well. Well, I completely agree. Um, in the past two or three years, I have no idea what people were talking about devaluation, the undervalued currency in China. You know, these people obviously did not read the market sign at all. There was yep. a lot of pressure. Um, the outward flow of um, capital is 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 scary. Uh, to say the least, and the government has been infusing a lot of confidence, you know, into the currency. So at this point, it's the stability versus, you know, market value 
calculation, uh, especially before the IMF meeting. Uh, which is coming up very soon. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact date. Determine whether China will be part of the um, stro- uh, special drawing rights. Um, China wanted to join, and to join, there are two criteria. One is a stable and a strong currency, and the two, it's a market determined currency, yeah. which at this point do not go hand in hand because um, the currency has been artificially propped up to look strong. So if you let the market determine, it will continue to go down. And if you want a stable currency, the central bank has to intervene. So how the Chinese central bank play on these two cards is interesting. And, and I, guess there was, I guess there was also uh, written up the, the, the possibility that maybe the, the People's Bank uh, had maybe gone in late in a trading day and maybe given it a little boost maybe a day or two ago. I, I mean, that was something I wasn't exactly sure how that all played out, but obviously it was something that the media kind of jumped on, and maybe it plays into this media perception that we have that this is a, you know, this is a, an artificial devaluing of, of the currency. Well, I think it's clear that the, the government through the, the People's Bank of China is going to take steps to um, soften the blow that's going to be incurred through this, right. yeah. whatever extent of devaluation takes place. Um but I think, it, you know, as a political scientist, like I just tossed something else sure. political in here, which yeah. is um, I think it's important to keep in mo- mind that the overriding consideration on economic policy, on monetary policy, uh, on domestic politics, and on foreign policy for the leadership in China is to maintain the stability of a political system where the Chinese Communist Party sure. runs the show. Sure. And I think any of these economic decisions will be, you know, that will be the, the top priority in the back of their minds. And pressure from international financial institutions or from the U.S. Congress is not going to shake the determination of the leadership yeah. in China right. to adopt the policies they think will preserve it, the stability they want, even as they pursue the reforms they also need. Right. Oh, go and, ahead. And if yeah. I may jump in, I totally agree. And there's this thing, you know, they're saying the government is basically orchestrating the, the, the devaluation. Of course, the government is behind it. The government allowed the market to trade down the currency, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if if it's not the case, the government will be pumping in. So it, this is interesting in the word play here, the, the government devalued the currency. Mm-hmm. The, deva- the government allowed the market to devalue the currency, right. and so as the the fact that they're not trading actively against the trend means the pro- currency will go down. But obviously, they they do not want the kind of downward spiral, and that's why uh, there was intervention at the end of the day. We're uh, speaking here in studio with Minwan Zhao, who's associate professor of management here at the Wharton School, and also uh, Avery Goldstein, who is a professor at the University of Pennsylvania in uh, global politics and international relations, and and also is the, the director of Penn Center for the Study of Contemporary China. I guess the, the other thing to bring up is the fact that the government, uh, when this process started, actually came out and had a press conference about doing this, which is something that realistically we hadn't seen before, correct? Uh, well, they've had press conferences. Right, and they do but, give briefings, uh, but th- this was an unusually transparent move, I guess you would say. Yeah. Not all of the mechanisms are transparent, uh, but yesterday they tried to explain the, what they were doing and sort of reassure folks about what would happen going forward. So I think 
uh, perhaps maybe Minyan can uh, tell me this because I'm not sure, maybe this is part of their effort also to reassure, say, uh, the folks at the IMF about the kind of um, responsible currency policy China's adopting that should perhaps uh, ease the path to becoming a, a Yeah, definitely. So as I said, there's a stable currency and there's a transparent market-determined currency, right? So having all these press conferences, being transparent about it is definitely moving towards the transparent aspect. And we're saying although the market is trading the currency down, this is a transparent and a fair market process. And it's also unclear to me how much information central bankers like to give out about these kinds of things. When I think about the U.S. Fed, you know, I sometimes say, well, you know, it's like, it's like reading tea leaves. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of people talked about, uh, uh, with uh, getting back to the United States Fed, about Ben Bernanke and his approach when he was running the Federal Reserve in terms of the information that he would pass out. And there were people on both sides of the fence saying, well, you know, are you doing too much? Well, are, are you not doing enough? And, and it's, I guess it, it's... I guess it's it's part of the process of understanding how China wants to to move going forward, uh, as somebody as a couple of writers have talked about mm-hmm. about them being a bigger player at the at the financial table, working with the IMF and working with other right. financial institutions around the globe. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely a, an urge to change the way of doing business. You know, unfortunately, you know, you heard about the, the explosion in Tianjin. Yep. And, uh, you know, th- this is one incident, but it reflects a lot of uh, a deeper problem of the way of doing business, the push for speed, the push for scale, uh, uh, while compromising on, you know, safety, security and all that. So and I think there will be a lot of discussion about this incident after the crisis is over, uh, whether the, the whole Growth model is too much on the speed and scale, and without um, without enough consideration on, for example, safety, long term sustainability, and right. so on and so forth. So the the currency issue is just one aspect of the a much broader discussion on the new business model China yeah. has to adopt. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That I I think ever since uh, November 2013, when the Communist Party announced basically it's a new reform program mm-hmm. to deal with the problems, really the legacy of the rapid uh, growth model they had relied upon for many years, um, that they were determined to take an approach which focused on uh, quality of growth as opposed to the quantity of growth and mm-hmm. about rebalancing across various sectors so they'd be less export dependent and so that there'd be less reliance on investment to keep the growth rates up and more mm-hmm. emphasis on consumer spending. Uh, but it quickly became apparent that that's going to entail a slowdown in growth um, yeah. and a period that became now they refer to as the new normal, which is telling the Chinese people that rapid growth rates, rapid increases in the standard of living may be a thing in the past, but the trade-off there has to be the quality of growth. It has to be an improvement in the in the consumer product safety, uh, fewer of these industrial accidents, sure. whether it's in the mining sector or in uh, the ports, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that these are difficult times for China. Doesn't mean the economy's on the verge of collapse, but it means they, they have some rough sledding ahead. And, and obviously, outside of, of the, the disaster that happened there with the explosions the other day, but what does an event like that really? It's one of those unfortunate events that, that will, in a lot of countries around the globe, really focus the attention on on the policies that need to be pushed going forward. Will that be the case in China? I think there will be. Um, the the challenge, as everyone was talking about, is 
you know, it, it's it's always a, a bit of medicine, right, to tell people that you know you have to swallow the the possible unemployment, the slower growth, yeah. and uh, um, you know high growth. There was some calculation like seven percent is necessary to keep the unemployment unchanged. Um, because of urbanization, you know, yeah. uh, rural air, people from rural area rush into the city, so you need the jobs. So um, situations like this may make it easier for people to open up and discuss the possibilities um, of a slower growth because it's it adds the urgency to such discussions. We've talked with you uh, on this show about the, those levels of growth and how high they were, and obviously they were coming down uh, in, within this new normal. Where does that growth level kind of kind of fit? If you're talking about you know the quality of growth more so than the actual that that big number at the top of the list, it's a matter of you got to change the incentive structure for the people who carry out the policies yeah. at the provincial level and below. Uh, you, you, have, you have to actually stop evaluating uh, cadres or officials at lower levels based on growth. I mean, they, they said they've changed the evaluation forms to emphasize other considerations, <laughs> including environmental considerations. Um, but you, it has to happen in practice. And uh, it's tough. I mean, what you're asking people to do is change the way that, well, to put it in a Wharton radio station, change the way they do business in China, yeah. uh, politically and economically. And this is obviously getting onto the environment aspect of it. Something also we've talked about is about how China needs to step up in terms of its environmental programs going forward. And that's an area where the U.S. and other countries have been trying to kind of massage their influence, to, you know, to try and bring China forth on that area. So I guess if if they have the ability to do that in that area, do they have the ability to do this not in the immediate term but long term? in terms of their approach to currency and, and and the economy going forward? Well, it's hard to comment on the influence on currency and policy, but obviously uh, the the foreign companies are already playing a big role in the all the sustainability programs. It's great business opportunity for these companies. Um, I, I think it's, you know, um, Coming back to the the evaluation system of the local government officials, it's really a tough spot because um, st- stability has been on the high priority list, you know, for a long time, uh, even higher than growth. Mm-hmm. But think about this, you know, if if you're evaluated on the number of protests in your county or or city. People can go to the street for two reasons. One, there's pollution. You know, there's you see those cancer villages, um, yeah. you know, high cancer rate due to due to pollution, and they don't like it. They go to the street, or you know, land grab, unfair uh, treatment uh, in the growth process. So that can be re- one reason. But if the growth rate goes too low and there's unemployment, guess what? People are going to the street yeah. because uh, you know the economy has been used and actually it's necessary to have high growth rate to sustain the, the employment level. So uh, it's, a, it's a tricky balance to make people happy and uh, make the transition right. I mean, the transition will be difficult even yeah. if it's successful and there's no guarantee of success. But I do think your question about is it likely that the, the leadership will really be committed to this change in their way they deal with their currency, uh, allowing market forces to play a larger role? Uh, I think if it fits with their vision of China's economic reform future, yeah. they will stick with it. And I, I think that that's why they're willing to accept some of the pain now that they're incurring. 
Uh, I don't think that the devaluation had much to do with the export sector. Maybe a little bit of a benefit, but not significant. So I think this really reflects one area where they're making changes that they feel are absolutely essential to transition yeah. to a different growth model. And again, that that vision of what that that perfect growth level and, and, and that path is that they need to to follow is something that they've had and will have. And realistically, it's it's not something that can be influenced by other countries from around the globe. I I think it will be tough given the you know uh, what we see in the current regime. I think China is still following the same idea uh, from 30 years ago, yeah. feeling the stone when crossing the river. Uh, it's very hard <laughs> to say where the specific destination point is across the river. You know, um, anything can change depending on the current, not only in the country, but also uh, in the global economic environment. But there could be international economic forces that affect the, the success or failure of, of China's reform efforts. And certainly you begin in the region. Yeah. Uh, you know, China's such a, China is such a dominant economic player in the Asia Pacific at this point that what happens in the other economies in the region will also be crucial, especially Korea, Japan, Southeast Asian countries. Uh, so, you know, I saw the story, uh, I guess it was either yesterday or today, about uh, Indi- Indonesia's economic growth, which is really suffering mm-hmm. recently. And uh, so I think it, there are these international influences, but I don't think it's like the United States can tell the Chinese yeah. government what to yeah. do on these Exactly, matters. right. Totally agree. Right, yeah. but it, it is part of, of this build-out of relationship that that uh, that the United States, I think, would like to have with China, and China would probably like to have with the United States, uh, right. you know, over the next couple of decades. Yeah. But if the candidates for president, various candidates True, for various yes. parties, <laughs> say, well, President Xi Jinping is going to visit the United States in September, uh, and I've already seen some comments where some of the candidates have said, well, President, President Obama's got to lay down the line with President Xi about the currency manipulation. Well, that's yeah. not going to happen. He's got, well, President Obama's got several months left. You know, he's, how is he going to be able to do that? Um, but I, I guess it is interesting that a, a couple of articles wrote about this, this move by China in terms of its currency. Uh, they called it a kind of a wait-and-see mode. Uh, is is that how you view it? Is as you know they've put this in play. Let's see how this actually plays out and see if it if it is the right path. Well, that's my feeling, just from the personal take, you know, because um, as I described in my uh, world economy classes, the the fixed exchange rate is like a beer bottle, right? It's not a balloon as we see in the floating exchange rate. Mm-hmm. You feel the pressure inside. Uh, being a beer bottle for so long, you don't know how much pressure is in there. You know, people talk about the downward pressure, downward pressure, but you don't know how big the pressure is until you let go, and then. You know, this is just to fuel the market. But if the market is going out of control, and I said the market can go downward spiral, fear can trigger more fear. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly not healthy for the economy. So the central bank has enough ammunition in their chest to to go out and intervene in the market. I mean, part of this turns really on how smart the economic leadership is in China and, uh, you know, some of the top bankers, et cetera, are there in the central government. They're very smart people. They've worked in international financial institutions. These guys know what they're doing. So I have to think, maybe I'm being naive, that they anticipated some of the challenges that Minyuan's talking about and would not have done this unless they were confident, maybe overconfident, that they could cope with the kinds of pressures they're going to face. Because for them, at this point, to abandon the new approach to yeah. setting, pegging the currency or whatever you want to call it, um, would be a major would be viewed as a major retreat. It would 
damage their uh, prospects for uh, playing a large role in a variety of international financial institutions uh, and would be seen as a big step backward. Uh, that they had failed essentially in this yeah. policy, right. Right. And, and that's probably the last right. thing they want to do at this point is to is to basically show the show a failure at this point, just basically so new into you know really turning this policy around. And that's why I think it's smart to do it now when they still have enough foreign exchange reserves and yeah. to show the confidence to the market that you know I can intervene anytime when needed. Uh, it's better to do it now than when the reserve is half the amount because it has been depleting in, in the past half year. Very obvious uh, drop in, in the reserve. Great to have you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for coming in. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.